Good evening, Patriots. I thought we needed a little change in beat tonight. We've been, man, that was an intense show the last hour. And I'll tell you, I, I know when, I literally know when God's working because I left that show and I was spent, just like I'd done a five, ten mile run, wiped out. And it was like, wow. So, but it, it's topics that we have to cover, but at the same time, we can't forget real the core of what our mission is here. And I know that some of those topics make people very uncomfortable because we push hard into accountability and there's a lot of challenging in the way the institutions are teaching things. At least, And that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm, my walk is. And um, that doesn't always make people comfortable, but you know me, if you've listened to me for any length of time, that I'm a massive believer that we, we have work to do here. It isn't just waiting. And that, that apathy, unfortunately, has gotten to us a lot of places. And I think we really need to dig deep into that and overcome some of the resistance to it and bring God's love into this world. I think that's the most important thing. So before we begin, we're going to have a little message a little tiny message about our health. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at ExpeditionCoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pinecone extract with high levels of vitamin C, Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake, do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. You know, Luke 18, 8 says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I, I read that sometimes and I, I smile. I'm like, well, I'm going to be here. I'm raising my hand like, Hello. I'm here, and I, I think, you know, and I, it's probably, you know, I'm going to take this a little out of context, but the sense of that is I really, t- really take that more as a challenge than a doom. I know that I've heard some people preach on it that talk about that being like, it's the end, there won't be anybody left. It's like, no, I don't think that's true at all. I think what's really miraculous about the timing we're in is how much, return to God that has happened. And in spite of the intense realities that we are having to face, and there are many, and they're brutal, they're harsh, they're as ugly as it comes. We're going to need God more than ever, and we're going to have to have that deep relationship with Christ more than we ever imagined as more of this comes out. We all like to kind of think of ourselves as awake and tough and even myself, and then you start hearing or reading or seeing things. And I I would say that God has conditioned me fairly well for this time. But that said, when it comes to children and it comes to elderly, when it comes to the vulnerable, let me just put it that way, I don't care what age it is. That's where my, that's really where I feel the depth of the pain. I, I can't stand bullies. I can't stand predatorial uh, sorts that try to seek out the weakness and take advantage of that for their own pleasure. It 
mean, that's where I literally the fires of righteousness burn within me. And it's a restraining sense that I think we're all feeling right now because God has us restrained. He's not asking us to march forward with the sword of steel. He hasn't asked us yet to move forward like Jericho and Joshua. He hasn't even asked us to take a stand like David, at least not yet. Though I do believe that well within our purview is the stand like Gideon. And that was symbolically done at Bard's Fest, as you know, with the breaking of 300 pots of light. I do think that blowing the shofar, if that's something that people commit to and using that as a weapon in our prayers are absolutely essential. And I do believe in that words are life and death. I think that what we speak and how we live is absolutely critical in this present time. That's so much the center of that is our trust in him. Unfortunately, I also think that that becomes a bit of a crutch. So hear me out because this is not intended to be offensive. I just wanted you to think about this. As we have the relationship with God, and we talked a lot about this last night, and it's the relationship of the giver and the gift. There are spiritual gifts which we are to seek out. That's as Paul has put before us. But we have to also be clear that what we're receiving, we can't always be on the receiving end and then keep asking for more. And that's essentially the key there when I say the giver of gifts and the gift itself. And in this process, if all we're going to do is sit and wait, I always ask myself this question, and you can take it or leave this, but I ask myself a simple question. If all I'm intended to do is sit and wait, then why am I here? And if I'm here purely for the selfish rising of my awakening, where is that unity and fellowship that God asks us to build with others. Our greatest weapon of war that we have here is our raising up of the true deep love which God gives us, that agape love. These are some very dark times because Unlike previous times, and I think it's been here, it just has grown at an unbelievable rate. It has come out into the open, and it has manifested itself to try to overwhelm and subdue. And yet, that's happening because we are not taking our position as we were given to subdue all evil. If we had, this wouldn't this would not be happening, but we have lost our way in truly understanding what God has given us. Luke 10, 10, 19. Behold, I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. That's such a profound statement and it's such a glorious statement. And it's such a wonderful place to walk because we know that nothing can harm us. And on top of it, when we're walking with that sort of resolve, nothing can harm others around us either because we're proclaiming the power of authority over all the enemy. This wandering path that we're on, I, it is also equally important that we do celebrate all that God gives us. And he gives us so much. And I think in the midst of this, and I, I'm speaking for myself, but I find at times I have to remind myself that it's very, very important that I praise God for even the great challenges and the hurt that's put before me. So tonight when I played the piece in the previous show from the Korean South Korean news agency, and it was about that horrific pedophile network. This is not the first, I've now heard it three or four times, actually four times. But tonight it left me in tears. As it was playing, I had to pull back my tears because it's just so painful to hear that this is happening to God's children. And that's, and I'll be honest, I think the the, mach, the machismo of our culture, which I think is waning a bit, but to say things like that as a guy, 
you're like, oh, dude. You know, it's like, no, not oh, dude. Because the greatest warrior has the compassion of a poet and understands the depth of the, of the words of poetry within its soul. And we need to be that type of warrior. Okay, my opinion. Again, me talking. But it's important for, I think, in the life as, you, as we witness, if we're only going to be on the, on the edge of rage, then what we're constantly doing is we're, we're stepping back from rage to do nothing or we step into rage to tear it all down. The power in a warrior's walk is to have compassion, even for your enemy, but to understand at a certain point when you finally draw the sword, that at that point is the decision of life and death. And even to that last moment, what your hope is, is not to have to end, end the life. If we ever lose touch with that perspective, then you become a killer. You just become another thug. And that's what the enemy is. They're just thugs. We're trying to walk a very difficult path. And it's difficult because it's never really been taught well in our culture. We don't learn the warrior ethos in a beautiful way. We don't learn, for example, the the way that Old warriors were brought up. They would be scholars. They would be poets. They would be artists. They would learn formal calligraphy. They would be metalsmiths. They would understand the art of metalsmith. They would be able to make things with their hands, build their own home, do leather work, all of these other things that all led to shaping them as a warrior, as a complete warrior, and then they were equally masters of a sword or a bow or something like that. It was a full, complete development of the individual. Today, when we develop a warrior, it becomes a precision of lethal skills, and we forget about the context of all of that. So it's very easy when we are looking and we hear the words, the warrior, and I, because I encounter this a lot, it's like, well, I'm not trained to be a warrior. I'm not like special forces. I'm not like, spe-. that's not what we're talking about here. And if we're going to use the military as an example, which I will just for the moment here, if we're going to compare special forces with, say, a ranger, and there's this kind of rivalry that goes on internally, but the functions and roles of those two are completely different. The ranger is raised raised up, the army ranger is raised up to do one specific task and to do it masterfully, pursue and kill the enemy. That's it. The special forces person is developed into a rounded individual. Knowledge in many different skill sets, from medicine to communication to shooting, even to learning how to farm and learning how to to help a society stand up and do civil governance. These are all part of their skill sets. That's a very different type of model, and it's one of the reasons I think that in our current system, the true warriors are special forces because they're so well-rounded and they're developed to be something greater. They're very capable, more than very capable in the lethality arts, but it takes more than that. So when we apply that out here into the world of this Christian warrior, and I've given this a lot of thought. In fact, it's something that we are actually developing a plan for. I say we, that's Brad Cummings and I, have been working slowly at developing a vision for what this would look like in developing a new class of warriors in this age. What does that look like? And I think when we get to that, we, we start to appreciate that there has to be somebody who is, one, passionate in their love of Christ, obviously. You have to have that as its core. And you need to have a very solid founding, a solid appreciation. You don't have to be a perfect scholar of Scripture, but you have to be able to read Scripture and take Scripture and apply it to the world. Those are fundamentals. But if we're going to reach people, and we're going to reach people in this society, which is currently in chaos and upside down, 
what are the types of things that will reach them? Going door to door, for example, if you're going to do, say, a mission internally to the nation, going door to door and telling them, hi, my name is Sam, I'm a Christian warrior, and I'm here to teach you how to defend yourself with your gun. And that probably isn't one of the better icebreakers in a lot of places in, the, in this world, especially where play, people are dealing with many other st- struggles. Understanding the martial aspect of life, I think, is essential. But that's not the lead element. We have to be able to teach reading because some people are illiterate. We have high illiteracy in this nation. We have to be able to counsel in the relationship of Christ and dealing with parenting and families because God has left the house or been kicked out of the house, not left, but been kicked out of the house in many homes. Some homes don't have any relationship at all. Those are the kind of the verbal martial arts. But what about other things that make a difference? A person needs to be very handy with gardening. They need to be almost a master gardener. They need to teach people how to grow food, how to create sovereignty. That's one of the quickest things you can do. You need to be pretty good with medicine. Not just not pharmaceutical medicine, but the natural medicines and the different ways of therapy, of exercise, diet, medicine. Those are things that are essential because it impacts people's lives. And I could go into somebody's home and I could talk to them about gardening and I could work with them on reading and I could teach them a lot about taking care of themselves health-wise from fitness to eating to what, how, to, how to use natural herbs to help improve their body and a very affordable, not be dependent on pharmaceuticals. I could even look at their life and talk to them and probably come up with some pretty good ideas on what they could do to help to get themselves started on their own business to start generating some income. And here's what I know. I could do all that and not once have to mention Jesus. Not that I don't want to, but hear me out on this. Because if I've asked to go there and Jesus has led me there and Jesus is with me, he's going to do part of that work with me. We, I think we forget that part. Because we push so hard sometimes to forget that if someone's not listening to you, Maybe that's as it should be in the sense of if we're there with Christ, the encounter is happening at a much greater level than us. If we're walking with Jesus, this is literally an engagement and we're going to be led to places that are going to be very difficult. And this is, I've talked before about this and I think it's important to continue this conversation, which is about the importance of what is called engagement. And that's coming from the work that I did when I was working with special operations teams. Engagement. What does that mean? It literally means sitting down with a stranger who often is of hostile mentality, breaking bread, and having a conversation. Now, this is the one of the most amazing things I find in Afghanistan or found was that everybody at some point, even the bad guys, were willing to sit down and break bread and have tea and have a conversation. It doesn't mean that we would agree, but there'd at least be a discussion and be, sometimes there'd be some like feeling each other out, like well, who are you, what's your motive, what's your intent, that sort of stuff. Sometimes you discover amazing things. But we have to get, that's really the core of great expansion And if we're going to talk about occupying the land and expanding the kingdom, that's really where we make the most traction as a whole body in Christ, is that face-to-face. Just by virtue of who I am, I I don't like door-knocking and pushing a Bible in people's face. That's just never going to be my way. And that comes in part because of how I believe, and it comes in part as God's led, and it's also in part with what I experience when people do, because it's a quick way to shut people down, in my experience. But I always find it profound when we just walk with Christ, 
and let Christ do the work and we just be ourselves and watch what happens. And this happened literally today in a a story I want to share. So we have a, we're setting up the Bard store and it's taken me some time to identify an American manufacturer of products, which we're very happy to be now going to be using their products. Companies known as Bayside, and most people know of their T-shirts or their hats at one point or another. And what's unique about Bayside is all of their products are made in America, and the cottons are all grown in America. So they're sourced in America and they're grown, made in America, which is hard to find these days, believe it or not. Now the randomness of this is what I'm getting at. So I, this went goes back about two months, and when I first reached out to them. And I had a sent him an email and literally had an email back with just a short amount of time and was on the phone with them and they kind of laid out what we needed to do. And we had to get some more things. I had to get some more things in line before we were ready to commit. And so I finished that up today or yesterday. I started it and I called and same account representative and we had a good conversation and it very business, normal business talking about what our objectives were, what we wanted to do. I had to send in the business paperwork, et cetera. Set up an account so things could be paid for, et cetera. And then today, it was all set up. It just I, he's, I was told it could take a, you know up to a week. And literally, it happened within 12 hours. The account's all set up. Everything's ready to go, which is fantastic. And in the conversation, I'm talking to the account rep and I made the comment. I said, I was talking, he was asking about the podcast and I said, well, you know, just the podcast is, has grown immensely. And I said, it's just been very blessed. And that's all I said. And this was his response. And I, and I just love these moments when you have this. Because he says, our faith is the same. He says, and I'm so blessed now to be part of this account and help you grow this. He said, I will be praying for you. That's God right there. What is the randomness of that happening? And what does that say when in this day and age, when we are dealing with so much of this cancel culture and other things, that's God working. And I didn't come out of the gate going, all right, are you a, are you a believer? All right, if you're not going to do this, you're going to hell. I didn't do any of that. I'm just doing business. But but as we go through this, and I can tell you, it's I mean, I'm having kind of like this back conversation always in these conversations. I'm like, all right, Jesus, you're like, you want me to like throw it down or what? You know, and it's I've seldom had that happen where it's a, where I get the word like, oh, hit it hard, Let's start Bible thumping and smack them hard upside the head. It's like, all right. I think everybody knows I can. <laughs> I'm happy to do that once in a while. Give me a pedo and I'll be slapping him upside the head with a Bible in my hand. Be like, Let me show you what's in the text. Whack. And let me show you another one. Whack. <laughs> I'll be throwing down like nobody. I'll be like, mercy, mercy. I'm like, I'm not giving you mercy. I'm going to give you some thumping Bible on your head. But anyway, that's a little off topic. But the beautiful thing is, is that when we just are walking with Jesus and we're literally in that space and we're having that intimate entry and conversation with us at all times, we're inviting Jesus into that conversation. I think this is where my, again, my experience, please don't take any of this as a judgment because it's not. I'm just telling you my experience and I find myself at times even tripping into this trap where you're like, okay, help me on this meeting, blah, blah, blah. Or you pray for something. And then like we finish the prayer and somehow like, okay, done with that. Now let me get into business. And it's like, no, 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 no. Back that up a minute. We're doing the prayer, but the prayer really should include the invite of, all right, Jesus, thank you. Now can you join me in this? And I think that if we started doing a lot more of that and asking Jesus to just walk in with this with us, I think we're looking at a whole transformation of the way we do a lot of things. Today is a great example. I I did not expect it. And I I left that conversation going, wow, God, thank you. That was awesome. Like 
this is really the right choice. This is what you've been kind of pushing me to do. And here we are. And now this is like, let me show you, son. This is the right choice. Confirmation, bing. That's, that's how I see it. And a lot of that, I believe, happened because in the process of this conversation, I'm literally having this back of my brain conversation going, okay, Jesus, do you want me to like, you know, are, are, am I doing okay here? Am I, do you want me to push in a little bit more or what? And I didn't have to, just was myself. And the minute that I said those words, the growth on the podcast was just blessed. That's all, I, I didn't even get any farther than that. It was, our faith is the same. Those are profound moments for me. That's when God's like, let me show you. <laughs> I'll show you thunder. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You know, and that's, it's so beautiful. And it's such a confirmation of the power of God in everything. It's a blessing all the way through. Mark 4.22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed for anything, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. And that's not always negative. We are preconditioned heavily from years of indoctrination to look and default to the negative. Right now, the world is going through a tremendous upheaval. We know that. We see it. We hear it every day. We have to confront some very ugly truths. Hence, previous show, we're looking at some pretty dark things that are starting to come to surface. And I think that it's important that we get fired up and get that flames of that those fires of righteousness burning within us to truly move us into that space of not sitting still, stepping up into the fight in the many forms that that takes. But I don't think that we take much time. To, we feel the pain. We feel the pain of the reveals that are happening. I think that everybody that has any sense that, that hears these stories about children or elderly, I think there's just like a broken heart feel in all of us because it's, it's many, many things. It's not one thing, but it's the sense of, what this world is doing to the vulnerable class, how dark and evil these people are, the pain of the vulnerability of those that can't defend themselves and we're not there. And all of that should reflect on us as are we doing enough? I, I believe that. However, we also have, in my opinion, don't give enough thanks to God for that experience. Pain is not something I would say, I don't think God is out here to say, let me give you some pain. I don't believe that. What has happened, though, is in the process of us awakening, God has finally given us eyes to see. And that is worth praising the Lord about, of saying, thank you for allowing me to see. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it? Right? And that's that's a big one. And that's where just saying, well, you know, God's, God wants me to pray on it. Good, do pray. But there has to be some traction to this. There has to be some wheels to what we do. And on these topics, I believe, I, because I think Scripture supports that very clearly, that if we don't do something, and if we're just going to sit by and allow the innocent and those that have no way of of defending themselves be victimized, and once we are given eyes to see, we're now accountable for what's, what we've been shown. That's the big part right there. And I think that's where things get a little muddy. It, sometimes more than muddy, they just get derailed. It's hard to take that next step. It's hard to, I'll, I'll speak for myself, it's not easy coming on here some nights and having these intense moments, whether it's emotional and tears. I've had a couple of them this week already where I'm literally like last hour I was at a, it ended that child thing, the child piece. I was having a hard time speaking because it was that, I felt that hurt, that, that pain in my heart. 
a few nights ago, I spoke about Bart's Fest and it was just, it was emotional and it was God working and it's just tumbling. But see, that's the power of God. But coming out like that in on, everybody can hear. I mean, I'm just like, okay, but it's not always easy. And I say that because taking that risk to walk with God doesn't mean it's going to be an easy walk. It's very easy to say, well, I'm just going to pray. I'm not faulting prayer, so please don't take it that way. But if all we're going to do is pray and we're not taking it to action, we're actually, in my opinion, fooling ourselves. We're doing something that is convincing ourselves that we're doing all the action we can, which I don't think that's it. Prayers are essential as part of this fight. Taking that further, though, bringing it into the world, I think is critical. And that's the part that as we step into the world, we make a difference. We're, we're doing a discipleship right now. We're bringing God's word out here in a very dark time. I think there's a different way of looking at it that maybe puts it in a different frame. Because I, too often I've heard people criticize this and say, well, then what you're saying is you have to have works to get to heaven. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we have a, an obli- a, a mission here, which I do believe that we're not here just to f- twiddle our thumbs and do whatever we want. Our life has f- separated so deeply from a center point of God. It's unbelievable. And we're, those that are continuing to seek that path with God are pushing farther towards him and we're leaving the other world behind. We're trying to find that direction, but we feel the pulls. Every one of us deals with it. It's the bill. It's the bank account. We, it's our revenues. It's our cost of living. All of these things are, are one way or another are hooking us. The question is, are they going to hook us with fear and anxiety or are we just going to trust in God that it's going to be okay? That's a big one because that's when we unhook that. And in this walk... We just have to get to a place where realizing that the encounters that we have are essential for Father. It's not just for us. This encounter today, I didn't expect it. Yet, there we have it. And it was there for a reason. It was an uplifting moment and a quiet little celebration of a new account opened and a new direction that now has prayers where two or more are gathered. I just love that. That was completely random and unexpected. That's God bringing people together, bringing his children together. When we take a step back from what we want and we're doing the bidding of God, as we're doing that work, we're really... It is about getting out. We're we're not going to be, if we sit all the time and just pray and say, that's what I'm doing. I'm not one to, to judge that if that's what God's called you to do. From my perspective, if we're not reaching farther to build the relationships and build the kingdom, I don't think we're accomplishing what God needs. That's my opinion. Because We need to be bringing us together so God can work through us in a more profound way. I just don't see our faith as individual and isolated in a corner. And unfortunately, I think that what happens in a lot of the works of the church these days, and I'm not calling all churches bad or missing the point or whatever, but I think in a lot of the works, it ends up being a very self-driven exercise. What do I need? What does my family need? What, how can I bring God into my life? And that's okay in the seeker sense in the beginning. We have to lead though as a remnant. And part of that is now us reaching out and really building out a greater community. I truly believe that what has come together here under Bard's Nation 
and as it continues to grow, and it is, is a powerful agent of change. It's not mine. It's not yours. Collectively, we're part of it, but it's God-driven. And I have so much hope and optimism for what is represented here because of the people that have come to this. And what our desire is to raise this up and to expand the kingdom through all that we're doing. I don't find that anything but uplifting. There's no political agenda. There's no political party banner. There's no 15 emails a day telling you to donate for the run for a certain office. And I think most of us would agree that if someone was so compelled, that will just happen anyway. But the politics have been separated. Even though we talk politics and we, we come back to the center of faith, it's the politics is always put within the framework of Scripture and the realities of where we are, at least I hope. That doesn't make us a political movement. It makes us a walk in the, in the direction of understanding the world so that we walk closer with God. At least I'd hope. And in that process, build out a movement that seeks one common thread. We may not agree, in fact, and I, in fact, we don't always agree on what I say and what people feel, and that's okay. Most of you know that I have a tendency of once in a while giving a strong opinion. <laughs> once in a while. And the beauty of what we've developed here is the ability to discuss and to debate and to have a disagreement. And yet, what brings us together ultimately? It's our love in Christ and it's our love in Father. Could you imagine a world that worked that way? And it creates a very unique place because it takes us right back to the Declaration of Independence, which is to put God on the throne above this nation, the true Lord and King of all. Not some phony king. There's a morality with that. There's an understanding. There's a listening to that. There's a temperance and a grace to that. And I, that's where I, when I read the Declaration of Independence and I, we've walked this path together, all of us, for the last two, couple of years. It's almost like looking into the founder's eyes to realize that somebody or God is himself, whatever it was, established that as the framework for this nation. Even though we've long kicked that one to the curb, it's not dead. It's alive and well. And that part is up to us and is pursuant on us to bring it back to life. I can't think of a greater mission to be part of something where we can literally help restore a vision of a nation that was bigger than our founding fathers, that was gifted by God, to be a place where tribes from all over the world could assemble, that overall the nation would be Christ, and yet of many different faiths would be able to come and coexist. That is a pretty profound biblical vision of what this land could be. And it's right here for the making, if we all commit to it. pretty amazing we have we have to be as a people more engaged we have to end this despicable behaviors of division and hatred and exploitation and enslavement whether it's a child or an adult or just the principle of always trying to get something out of somebody else. 
Those are massive moral shifts. So we're going to have to create a way to model it so that people can see what it looks like without the behaviors that they've been trained upon. That ultimately, to me, is the direction, hope, and and aspirations of County by County and, and Bards Nation, that we can do just that, that we can truly start emulating the world in which God would lead us. And if we're going to keep our sights on that and let God share in that vision, and as we share that our hearts with him, that's literally the power of moving mountains. I think it can happen, and I think it needs to happen. And in that comes some of the greatest relief of ever, which is the knowledge that we've been part of something greater than us, something that would be in the blessings of Father himself. And in the process, having helped move a direction forward that would ensure that the innocent and those that had no way of protecting themselves could be protected and be able to live free. That's not where we are. That is where we need to go. And I don't even say that as an opinion. That is where we need to go, period. So that's going to leave, as we kind of close this out tonight, it's going to leave something to think about. There is a real pushback towards anything related. And I'll use the term violence here. And in the current teachings of the church, anything like that is absolutely wrong. And I'm going to argue that's not exactly true. In the world that we're having to create, we have to become the watchers. And within the ranks of the watchers, we are going to need those that are truly the watchers on the wall that do wield both the sword of the spirit and the sword of steel. We cannot allow children or elderly or anyone else to be victimized by the predatorial violence and exploiters that have been lurking around for years. It can happen no more. That doesn't mean that's everybody's role, but I do want to remind you of the discussions about that is when they've been building the wall, that the, there were the watchers on the wall, but even those that were building the wall, the carpenters, had one hand on a brick and one hand on a sword. I believe we're entering into a time like that. It's going to take all of us together to be able to both heal and build bridges and to defend. This evil can never be allowed to do what it has done again. Never. And it must be ended, and it must know that if it ever rears its head again, it will be crushed, and it will be crushed with prejudice. We can't allow it to happen anymore. I don't find any of that conflicting with Scripture myself. If you do, okay. But if you do find that in conflict, I just want you to look around at the world we are today. Don't look at it with the lens of saying, well, that's it's revelation or that's what happens because we have to grow as people, and take accountability for where we are now. When, at that point when Jesus comes, that's a game changer. But that point hasn't come yet. And if we're going to be simply waiting for that to fix everything, then I think we're truly negligent in our role as God's children and what we've been tasked to do. That's my opinion. But I don't find opposition with that when I take it to prayer. We have a lot to do and a lot to grow with. 
And we have to assume some very bold responsibilities in a time when everything is starting to fall apart. And as it falls apart, we are seeing the true nature of its corruption and its evil and how deep that cancer flows. We now have the choices to make. Follow the easy gate, the path to destruction, which would be following what they are promising, or choose the narrow gate, which is the path to life, and take with that the challenges needed to ensure the safety of the community which we're building. Let us pray. Jesus, tonight, just ask that you'll hear our prayers and walk with us. Be with us. I want to just reflect on the flipping of tables. And Jesus, you did flip tables. In fact, you took out a whip. And not to glorify that in any means, but just pray that to give us the insight into that balance of flipping tables and the Sermon on the Mount so that we can all begin to grasp a greater view of what true agape love is, that passionate defense of God's children against evil. We're, we just need to light the fires of righteousness in people's hearts and with that provide the clarity of what all that means. It's, it's one thing to flex muscles and do big things and pound on our chest. But what you've shown us, Jesus, is that you can walk steady and you can walk solid and that when you finally do make a position known, be it flipping tables or being between the accused, the adulteress and the throwers of stones, or expelling the demons or healing, or giving the Sermon on the Mount and feeding the many with bread and with pieces of bread and fish. You've shown us a range of things of being able to speak to the many and being heard by the few, better even understood by few, but everyone yet hears what you say. You've given us the lessons of walking with a morality and a strength and a confidence that we are all trying to emulate. A, a line that you walked, it is truly tempered and graceful to the many, but a rigid line of things that were not accepted in the kingdom of heaven. And the reminder that there's times that we need to take a stand and there's equally times that we need to take a bigger position above evil, bigger than evil can defend against. So this is a bold prayer tonight, Jesus. It's a bold prayer to just ask for your eyes in this walk for all of us, for you to give us the view of how to walk as you. To walk and see the world as you would, to see the world with the passion and the grace and even the fury to teach and to expand the kingdom. Guide us in these days. We seek only to strive for greatness, and sometimes it's beyond our reach. We know that. So forgive us for those transgressions. Forgive us for those shortcomings. Yet, at the same time, we know you're there, and we're striving and reaching for things greater than we could imagine. And so we're reminded by John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Jesus, we believe in you. You are our King and Savior. And we say these things in your holy name. Amen. Greater works than these he will do.
That's something really to contemplate on. It's an amazing gift of words given to us. And it's something that we can accomplish. It's within our reach. Christ told us. And I think that's, if there's one thing that I find motivating, even in the darkest of moments, it's John fourteen twelve because it's such a profound insight into what our potential is. Have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. I think prayers right now from that warrior's heart of Christ are essential. And I think those are prayers we should be striving for to get closer to him and to see the world more like him. God is with us and he is never going to forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. Yet we're here in this time, in this place for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow for for bended knee until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
Out on the freeway, let it ease my mind. We run away sometimes when belonging becomes something to find. We always come back to what we know. Keep it close on the cold days, darling. Counting all the ways where you are safe. To hide from the rain.